Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to New Hope Church Online. We're so glad that you are joining us tonight. And, you know, it's such an amazing time. I mean, can you believe it? It's already the Thanksgiving season, and then we're going to go into Christmas. And it just seems like just like that, 2020 is going to be over. I know some of us are excited for that. Some of us are a little weary. But you know what the best part about it is? It's not about the year. It's about what God is doing in it. And you know what's so amazing is this past weekend, we had our trunk or treat event on Saturday night. And you know, one of the greatest things that we enjoyed, in fact, me and Katie, we were uh, in the Jurassic Park uh, trunk. But one of the greatest parts that we enjoyed was seeing people come through. And we got to see some of you. We got to see uh, you and we miss you guys. We miss you guys so much. And, and it was kind of funny because that's how we, can, we were conveying that how much we miss you. But we do know that God is doing great things in your lives. And you know, what's so amazing is that we get to continue to give unto God and what he's doing in the lives of his people. And so right now we're getting ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And what the best part about it is we know that whether it's 2020, 2021, or whenever, God is, was, and is still to come. And all that he has for us, we can't wait to look for we look forward to what he's going to continue to do. So would you join me as we pray for our tithes and offerings? Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of miracles, that you're the God of wonders, Lord, that yes, even though this year is, has quickly gone by and all that has happened, Lord, we also know that you've been doing great things, that you've been changing people's lives, that you've been turning our lives around, that you've declared who you are, Lord, that you're revealing how much you love us. As so Lord, right now, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that, Lord, you're not done yet. You're not finished yet. You have a lot more that you want to do in the lives of your people. And what a joy it is that we get to partner with you as we give you our tithes and offerings, knowing that, Lord, you're going to do great things because you are our great God. As so Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I pray that you bless the hearts of those who give as we look forward to what you're going to continue to do because of who you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. And if you're wondering how to give, we do have four ways that you can give. You can give on our uh, website. You can give on our app. You can give uh, still by writing checks to our church office here at 840 Kupalau Road. And you can even sign up for text to give, which will help set up a profile so that you can give here at New Hope Church. Well, tonight, Pastor Kat is going to be sharing with us about the book of Mark. Let's check it out. The Gospel According to Mark. It's one of the first accounts of the life of Jesus, and our earliest historical traditions link this book to a Christian scribe named Mark, or John Mark. He was a co-worker with Paul and a close partner with Peter. And in fact, an ancient church historian named Papias, he recalls that Mark had collected all of the eyewitness accounts and memories of Peter and then shaped them into this account. But Mark didn't just randomly throw the pieces together. He's carefully designed this story of Jesus. In the first line of the book, Mark makes this claim about Jesus. It's the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, what's interesting is that this is the only time Mark is going to tell you what he thinks. For the rest of the book, he's going to influence you by simply putting Jesus' actions and words in front of you and showing you how other people react to him. Now, Mark's designed the story of Jesus as a drama with three acts. The first one set in Galilee, the third one is set in Jerusalem, and the second act shows Jesus on the way from one place to the other. 
And each of the acts focuses on repeated theme. So in Act 1, everybody's blown away by Jesus, and they're wondering, who is this Jesus? In Act 2, it's the disciples who are struggling to understand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. And then in Act 3, we watch the surprising paradox of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. Let's just dive in, and you'll see how it unfolds. After the opening line, Mark begins with a quotation from the ancient prophets Isaiah and Malachi, who said that God would send a messenger to Israel to prepare them for when God would show up himself to rescue his people and become their king. And Mark introduces John, the Baptist, as that messenger. And then right when you expect God to show up personally, Mark introduces Jesus. And as he comes onto the scene, the heavens open, God's spirit descends on Jesus, and God says, you are my beloved son. After this, Mark places in front of us a summary of Jesus' core message. He went about Galilee announcing the good news that God's kingdom has come near. Jesus is carrying forward the story from the Old Testament scriptures about God's rescue operation for his world. Through Jesus, God is restoring his reign over the world by confronting and defeating evil and its hold on people's lives, and then by inviting them to live under his reign by following Jesus. From here, Mark's given us a big block of stories showing us Jesus' power as he brings God's kingdom. He goes about healing people whose bodies are sick or broken or under the oppression of dark spiritual powers. And Jesus even does something that for Jewish people, only God has the right to do. He forgives people's sins. And Jesus' actions here produce lots of different responses. So some people follow him and become his disciples. Other people don't know what to think, and still others reject him completely, especially Israel's leaders who accuse him of blaspheming God and being empowered by evil. But Jesus isn't surprised by these responses. In fact, he draws attention to it. In chapter 4, Mark has collected many of Jesus' parables about the hidden, mysterious nature of God's kingdom. And Jesus says that his message is like seed falling on different types of soil. Some are receptive, some are not. Or it's like a mustard seed that's very tiny. It seems insignificant, but then it grows huge and surprises everyone. Jesus' point is that he really is the Messiah, bringing God's kingdom, but it doesn't look like what anybody expected. And this growing confusion about Jesus among the crowds is connected to a key idea Mark emphasizes at the end of Act 1, that even among Jesus' disciples there's confusion. Even they are struggling to grasp who Jesus really is, and that brings us to Act 2. It begins with a crucial conversation. Jesus takes the disciples aside and he asks, Who do you all say that I am? And Peter speaks up, saying, You're the Messiah. But it becomes clear that for Peter, this means that Jesus is a victorious military king from the line of David who will rescue Israel from the Romans. But for Jesus to be the Messiah means that he's the suffering servant king of Isaiah 53, who will bring God's rule by giving up his life in Jerusalem. And the disciples, they don't get it. They think following King Jesus is going to mean fame and status and importance, and Jesus makes it clear that following him is actually like dying, like carrying your own cross. It means rejecting violence and pride and selfishness and giving one's life out for others in acts of service and love. He has the same conversation with them two more times, and it all culminates in Jesus' important statement that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to become a servant and give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples still don't get it. They respond in confusion and fear. 
And so here in Act 2, Mark has placed another key story that echoes the book's introduction. Jesus takes three of his disciples up to a mountain, and he's suddenly transformed. He's radiating with light and glory, and a cloud envelops them. Now, this is just like the glory of the God of Israel that showed up long ago on Mount Sinai. And then the two prophets who stood in God's presence on Mount Sinai, Moses and Elijah, they appear next to Jesus as God announces again, This is my beloved Son. Now, by placing this story in the middle of all these conversations in Act 2, Mark is making an astounding claim that Jesus, God's Son, is the physical embodiment of God's own glory. And in Jesus, the glorious God of Israel is going to become king by suffering and dying for the sins of his own people. It's a puzzling claim that confuses and scares the disciples as they leave the mountain. Which brings us to Act 3. Jesus makes a very public royal entry into Jerusalem for Passover. People are hailing him as the Messiah. Then he enters into the temple courtyard and he asserts his royal authority by running out the thieves and crooks and stopping the sacrificial system. Then this kicks off a whole week of Jesus debating and confronting the leaders of Israel, condemning their hypocrisy. And so they set in motion a plan to have him killed. And Jesus warns his disciples, predicting that Jerusalem and its temple will be destroyed within a generation. And his disciples will be persecuted just like him until he returns one day to bring God's kingdom fully over the world. And it all leads up to the final night. Jesus has his last Passover meal with the disciples, a symbolic meal that told the story of Israel's liberation from slavery through the death of the Passover lamb. And Jesus takes these symbols and he gives them new meaning. They point to the liberation from sin and death that will happen through the death of the suffering servant Messiah. From here, the story rushes forward to Jesus' arrest, his trial before Israel's priests and the Roman governor Pilate, all resulting in Jesus' crucifixion. And it culminates in a key scene that matches the important scenes from Acts 1 and 2, except this time it's darkness that descends, not a cloud. And instead of the divine voice from heaven, it's Jesus' voice crying out before he dies. And then most surprising is that it's a Roman soldier who sees Jesus die, who grasps and then announces who Jesus is. This man was the Son of God. He's the first person in the story to recognize the story's shocking claim about Jesus' identity, that it's the crucified Son of God who's the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, who died for his friends and for his enemies. After this, Jesus' body is placed in a tomb, and on the first day of the new week, two women from his disciples come to the tomb, and they discover that the tomb is empty, the stones rolled away, and an angelic man informs them that Jesus isn't here, that he's risen from the dead. And so he orders them to go and tell this good news to the other disciples, that Jesus is alive, that he'll meet them back up in Galilee. And the women, they're freaked out. Mark says that they fled from the tomb in terror, telling no one, for they were afraid. And that's how the book ends, with Jesus' disciples showing the same kind of fear and confusion that concluded Acts 2 and 1. Now, if you look in your Bible, you'll see that the Gospel of Mark has more to its ending. 
where Jesus appears, he speaks to his disciples. But there's also a note there telling you that that ending is not part of the original book, that it's only found in later, less reliable manuscripts. Now, it's possible that the original ending got lost or that Mark actually never finished writing his account, but it's more likely that this abrupt ending is intentional to make a point. The entire story has focused on the shocking claim that puzzled Jesus' disciples from beginning to end, that it's the suffering, crucified, and risen Jesus who's the Messiah, the Son of God, that God's love and upside-down kingdom were revealed as Jesus died for the sins of the world. And so the story ends without closure, and it forces you, the reader, to grapple with this very strange and scandalous claim about Jesus. And are you going to run away like the women? Or are you going to recognize Jesus as your king and go and tell the good news? And only you can answer that question. And that's what the Gospel of Mark is all about. I love those videos that we've been watching as we journey through the Bible together. So that last question, I really want you to remember that one because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. Are you going to run away or recognize Jesus as your king, okay? So tonight I titled it, No News is Not Good News. That's a phrase, actually remember the phrase, no news is good news? We've heard that a lot. And I think it originated, it was, it's said to be originated back with King James I of England. And he allegedly said, no news is better than evil news which is true, right? It is true. But then we kind of modernized it, we took it, and then we made it our own, our own, and we say no news is good news. So tonight I'm thinking, well, is no news good news? As Christians, I'd like to say no. Because no news about the good news is not good news. Imagine if that was the end of the story. In Mark 16, verses 7 and 8, it says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The end. Imagine if that was the end. Imagine if after all that Jesus had done, taught them, healed people, he sacrificed, and he, he journeyed with them. After all that, he was crucified, rose from the grave. Imagine if after all that Jesus had done, they kept it to themselves. Imagine if after learning and seeing him and saying, oh my goodness, he is the Messiah he is our Savior. But then because they were so afraid that they died with that secret and they didn't tell anybody the good news and they kept it to themselves. What kind of hope would we have today if that's what they did? Remember what it was like before you knew the love of God for you? you before you knew the hope of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because I remember clearly what my life was like before that. Before I truly knew how much God loved me. And now think of the millions of people that are out there that don't know 
the hope of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Okay, well, maybe not millions. Think of maybe just thousands. If a million is too much, okay, think of thousands of people. Okay, maybe not even that. Think of hundreds of people in our community. Can you think of one? One person that you know of that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that doesn't know the hope of God. We have a choice to make. As children of the Almighty God, we actually have choices to make, and that's what we'll be covering tonight. Do we hide the good news to ourselves, or do we share the good news? Okay, I, I don't mean to scare you, because you might be thinking, well, what am I going to do? I'm not a pastor. You know, my family, my friends, they're going to laugh. They're not going to listen to me. You know, I, I, I can't do that. Let me tell you something. If you love God, then you should be loving his people. Because he wants all his children to be saved. And you know, if you have children, if you're a parent, you get it. You understand it. You don't, you don't just love one of your children. You love all your children. You don't just love some of them. You love all of them. You may not like all of them all the time, but you do love them. If you don't, then you know you got to take that to God. But we know what that means. And he loves all of his children. And don't we love when all our children are getting along and the older siblings are helping the younger siblings? They're not fighting. They're sharing. They're doing their homework without complaining. They're doing their chores without being reminded. Don't we love when that, when that happens? Isn't home such a nicer place to be? when everybody's getting along. Growing up, wasn't it nice for us when mom and dad are happy, everybody's happy because there's peace in the household. The house, the home is just a nicer place to be. So imagine if, imagine if the whole world was like that. Imagine if we all were getting along. Imagine if we all weren't fighting with each other. Because that's, that's what God wants. In Mark 12, 28 through 31, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Imagine what the world would be like if we just did those two commandments, just those two. Imagine. If we loved, if we actually really loved God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength we'd be obedient doing our chores without complaining loving one another treating each other like we would want to be treated no fighting i mean i know my husband would love it if i would treat him all the time the way i would want to be treated but imagine living in this world together if we did that there would be no crimes if you think about it because 
we wouldn't want to be hurt. We wouldn't want people stealing from us, so we wouldn't steal. We wouldn't slander each other. We wouldn't hurt each other. We wouldn't, we wouldn't fight with each other. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to physically harm each other because that's not how we would want to be treated. We could actually have world peace if you think about it. You know, we could actually have world peace because if we really treated people the way we would want to be treated, they, the world would be a better place to be. But we choose otherwise. Why? Because we're human. Because we're human, we do that. So let's go to our first point, which is choose to share the good news. Choose to share the good news. Because even as Christians, we sometimes choose no news over the good news, don't we? We don't want to be laughed at or persecuted for our beliefs. So we keep quiet, and we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't share the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ because we don't want to be seemed, or we don't want to be called what I used to call my, my sister and my brother-in-law, those Jesus people. You know, oh my goodness, the Jesus people are coming. They're going to tell me about the Lord again, you know. And, and what would happen if they didn't love me enough to keep telling me about the Lord? What would have happened to me if they didn't keep inviting me to church? If they didn't keep praying for me? What would have happened if they had said, you know what? You're a lost cause. We cannot help you. We're tired of you mocking us because I did. I did. I would yell at them and lash out at them because I was in the middle of my mess and hurting. I would lash out and be like, I don't want to hear. Can you please talk to me without starting and ending your sentences with the Lord? But they loved me enough to keep on praying. They loved me enough to keep inviting me to church. I'd show up in church, and there's people like Auntie Melba Kiocho that when I'd walk in, I'd sit down, and she'd be behind me. I couldn't see all. I didn't know any of this till years later. She'd be praying over me. Please, Lord, help this lost girl. She needs you, Lord. Look at her. Poor thing, her. And she prayed for me. People like Pastor Alex Pacheco and his wife, Berna, for years, they would pray for me because they knew the struggles that I was going through. And they never gave up. And they would pray. Years this went on. Years. Pastor Sheldon prayed about me joining the staff years before we even spoke about it. Imagine if he said, Cat, yeah, right. I don't think so. And didn't pray for me and, and didn't obey the Lord. Imagine. But no, these people... They never gave up, and they prayed. So when I was ready, I knew exactly where to come, and I knew exactly who to, to come to, and I knew exactly who to pray to, because people never gave up. I needed to know God's love, and I needed to know that God was on my side, that I had a father who loved me because I felt alone and I felt like I was struggling by myself. But once I came to church and got to, 
got to know God's love through people loving me, then I was able to start reading the Bible and start asking questions. And I came to know scriptures like Psalms 121, 1 through 2 that says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and the earth. Do, do you know one person that needs to know this? I know we're not meeting in person as a church. You know, this is, this is where home groups could really play a huge role. Someone close to, to you that already comes over or that you're comfortable with being in your home, one of your family members, you know, this actually would work better for them because it's less intimidating if it's in a comfortable environment and not a church building with church, those Jesus people speaking the Lord to them. You know, it, it's you and them. Is there one person that, that you could have in your home that you could watch a service with? You know, who knows if COVID had hit when I was younger, maybe I would have grown sooner. <laughs> I don't know, because I did not want to come sometimes to a, a building, a church with the Jesus people. So maybe this is a, a good time to invite someone. And I'm not saying, you know, go chase your, your family and friends down and, you know, and, and be cramming it down their throats, but we shouldn't be ashamed of sharing the gospel that is Jesus. And just because we are saved doesn't mean we're done. We have work to do. And as brothers and sisters, we have siblings out there that don't have hope. And they need dad's love. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came for us. He came to us in human form to save us. So we have a choice to make. No news or good news. He came to us to give us the good news. The Lord came to us. Why wouldn't we go to those that, that need him? Are we going to just wait for them to ask us about God? Well, if that's the case, then we better make sure that we are reflecting God and living our lives showing God so that our family and friends can see that we believe in the good news. So that's our second point, which is we're going to choose to reflect the good news. Choose to reflect the good news. We make choices every day, what to wear, what to eat, you know, where to work, which job to choose, which route to choose to go to work, who do we marry, when we marry, if we marry, or like yesterday, we choose who to vote for. Yes, we're going to go there. Elections, yesterday, right? Last night. We get to choose who we want in our government. We're not always happy with the outcome. Some of you are happy. Some of you are not happy. 
but you can still choose how we live with what is going on in the world. You can still choose whether we're going to be mad and be angry and complain, complain, complain until that person is out. Or we can choose to pray for our leaders and our government that God, who is still in charge, by the way, can lead them and speak to them, help them, and help us to make this place a better place. We can choose that. Are we going to choose to live the best lives we can in spite of what is going on? Are we going to choose? We can choose to still dream. And we're going to choose whether we still follow God. Because God remains the same. Government officials change every several years, couple years. But God never changes, and he is still God, and he is still in charge. Which brings us to our final point. Choose to worship him as our king. Are we going to still worship him, praise him? I am. You might think, oh, yeah, well, that's easy. You're on the worship team. You do it all the time. It's easy for you to say... But can I just encourage you that even if, you're, even if you're sick, you can't get up, you can't stand up, you can still stand up and worship God in your beliefs, in your heart. You can still worship him. Even if you cannot sing, you can still praise God. I know there are people way more talented than me. That may be you. But that's not going to stop me from worshiping and praising my God. You don't need a mic for that. You don't even have to sing for that. You don't even have to be in church to worship God. You don't have to be happy or joyful to worship God. In fact, especially if you're mad or you're sad, that's when you warrior up and you worship God. Because believe it or not, yes, we are in a battle. And this battle is for real. So we have to put on our armor and we need to worship him as our king. We can worship him in our actions by praying and living for him. In Mark 13, 13, it says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That is some good news. Not worldly news, not social media news, not even your neighbors or your friends or family news, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, good news. That he will save us all from this sometimes crazy but temporary world. We can choose. So in closing, we have action steps. Okay? Well, the action step is now we go and we be the good news. Jesus did, didn't just walk around telling people, God loves you. You have a Father in heaven that loves you. He went out and he loved people. He did an action with it. Invite someone to watch church online. You know, if you know one person who needs hope in their life, tell them the good news. 
Don't use the excuse, well, you know, we're not meeting in church. I don't even want to watch church sometimes because it's online and it's not the same as when we, when we meet together. Listen, McDonald's fries is not the same, right? When we eat it right there in the restaurant or when we drive through and bring it home and eat it at home, it's not the same. But do we go through the drive through and still order it? Yes, I do. Lemon chicken and fried rice, much more crispier, much more tastier right there in the restaurant. We cannot have that. Do I still order out and bring it home and still eat it? Yes, I do. Because why? I still want to be fed. Because I'm craving that food, I still want to be fed. And that's just physical food. We want spiritual food. We still want to be fed. So we still are meeting like this online. Yes, it's not the same. But for some people, it can be better. So let's not be ashamed and let us meet together like this. This is how we're doing it. If you're new to all this church stuff, can I just say that I am so happy that you're here. More importantly, God is happy that you're here. Maybe someone invited you to watch this. Maybe somebody's been inviting you, inviting you, and, and you're like, oh, okay, fine. I'll just watch it just to keep you quiet, just so you'll stop bothering me. It's okay. It's okay, because you're here. And you have a father that loves you as your sister. I'm telling you, you have a father that really cares about you and is so happy that you're here. It's no, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, whether it's 10 years ago, one year ago, an hour ago, God loves you and he wants you with him for eternity. In heaven, for eternity. Not just for a year, not just for the rest of your life. He wants you for eternity with him in heaven. Not a, on a remote island by yourself. With him. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. And he's made a way for us to be with him. Don't wait for situations or circumstances to change. Choose God's way, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. For those of you who already know God, choose to love people, not in our way or how we would, because we will fail. We're human, right? But choose God's way. Love them with God's heart. And pray for those that we don't agree with, or we don't like even. Pray that they come to know God. So here are some reflection questions I have for you. Number one is, who is Jesus to me? Sounds very simple, but until we can answer that, how are we supposed to go out and tell other people about Jesus? So write it down if you have to, but really think about that one. Number two is, is my life a reflection of the good news that is Jesus? How are we living? How can we do better? And the final reflection question is, am I going to run away? Remember this question from the video? Am I going to run away or recognize Jesus as my king? 
because we want to make sure we are still worshiping him. If he's our king, we're going to worship him no matter what is going on in this world, no matter what is going on in our lives, good, bad, happy, sad. He is our king, so we will worship him no matter what. So let's think about these, and then we can go out and tell people the good news. That is Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news that is Jesus. Thank you that, that we are here, although online, through technology, Lord, that we are here in your presence still as brothers and sisters, as your children, that you want with you for eternity, God. We pray for someone who needs to hear this message, who needs to hear the good news of your love, of the salvation of Jesus Christ in their lives, that they have eternity, a chance at eternity with you, God. We pray for people to, to call upon your name, to call upon the name of Jesus in times of, of stress, worry, sadness, sorrow, anger, this temporary world that we have let us remember it's a temporary world, that we have an eternal home with you, Father. Let us focus on that. There may be someone out there that is hating life right now, just hating life right now, and feels nothing but despair, and is throwing their hands up and going, why? What for? What's the use? Fill their heart or send someone to them, or maybe they're watching right now, Lord, and fill their heart instead with the hope of your love and eternity with you, God. And then give us the strength and the courage to go and seek out our brothers and sisters that need your hope and your love, Lord. Help us to keep praying for people, even if they push us away or lash out or reject us, that we keep praying for them, Lord, because they need you even more so they need you. We love you, God, and may all that we do as your children honor and glorify you. In your precious name we pray, and we all say, Amen.